Contenders, ready! Hello and welcome to the Glad Pod in association with Gladiators TV. I'm David Blackmore and with me as always is Jet and the Oracle, of course, producer Paul. Diving into the electronic mailbag this week and there is an email from the other side of the world which I absolutely adore. I love that we have people listening to our show in countries. I mean, some of the countries we've had, like the list that comes through, it is incredible. Now, this is from Paul Kaburgi, which I think, hopefully, Paul, I've said that correctly. He says that for him, gladiators will always have a special place in his heart with Blind Date, Baywatch, gladiators. It was the perfect Saturday night in the UK which it absolutely was now he lives in New Zealand now and <laughs> Paul what this is one thing I love he was going to go and visit Wolf's Gym for us to sort of say because we did do the call out didn't we previously about you know let's get them let's someone can go and door knock Wolf for us and get him on on the show and it's great that we've got someone listening in New Zealand who was going to do that for us amazing yeah the, the power of the glad fans to to track these people down but yeah as he says he he was pleased that we managed to to track him down for series two and he is like all of us super excited for the reboot and to be able to share it with his own kids which I think is is I think a reason why a lot of glad fans are so excited because they've now got their own families and I, I guess there's one thing showing like the original series to your kids that you know episodes that are um, you know online but also watching the new version where it's going to look modern and it's going to have you know modern graphics and all of that I think that's I'm mean, correct me if I'm wrong Paul but that that's another reason why Glad fans are so excited to see it because they can see the modern version of it yeah and I think that's why the BBC have probably hit it at such a good point 30 years on from the original like we're all grown up now we've all got family and and people have got kids and they can take them along to watch this Saturday night show that was so special to them and have their own kids experience that as well and see the look on their faces like our parents did for us so i yeah i just think that it's such it's a magical thing to be able to do really more than the show however he just wanted to send his love to you die and to say hello because he says growing up as a young gay kid in a small northeast town die you were an icon so his family were season ticket holders at middlesbrough c and he got dragged along to home game for, for years but seeing a fellow Teesider like you working on TV always felt really special he says that you represented a viable link to the world of television and show business that he knew even from a young age was a world where he could finally find his tribe he says that he absolutely loved gladiators but he'd watch you on screen every week as Jets and he thinks that you might have even made a couple of appearances at the Borough Games at the Riverside and he just kept telling himself she's from Teesside and somehow his <laughs> dreams just always seemed possible. Did you did you go to the Riverside to watch Middlesbrough play a few times, Di? I absolutely did, Paul. You're right. Thank you for such a lovely, lovely compliment. Essen Park Stadium was the original Borough pitch. Of course, it's a big different modern one now. Yeah, my, I used to go with my 
big late father to a couple of the matches. And I think one of the matches, Paul, you may remember it, came out and did a round off the quadruple whatever flick flacks across the whole of the pitch. And we had was a lion, Rory, that we had as our mas- mascot for Burr at the time. Vague, vague memories, but what a lovely, well, what a lovely opportunity to meet you on the Glad Pod right now, Paul. And thank you for such a lovely compliment. I mean, he <laughs> felt a, a huge sense of pride about that. And at a time where there was a real sense of teased pride in the air. And he says, and I mean, I should have looked it up before this, but I haven't. He says you even had a song. And I, I Diane Paul, I'm not sure, but do you know, can you belt out, do you know the words to We Are Teesside? Yeah, I do. I mean, but I'm from Darlington and I don't have my own album. So perhaps I'll leave that to you, Diane. <laughs> Well, I like, see, I do like those lyrics. You've got to remember, though, from the age of 16, I lived in London and didn't return to the north of England until, what, 40s, 50s? So that's probably why I dipped out. I I do know that we went and got Palmos, though. (laughs) He ended with this, which was that he did eventually find his tribe, but he will always be part of Jets, which I thought it was a lovely, lovely email. And as Dice says, I care. Thank you so much, Paul, for sending that in. But it also got me thinking about you, Paul, as well. Just there was a lot in it. I know you said Darlington's not Borough, but having Di coming from the Northeast, it, made, it meant a huge deal to you as well, didn't it? Yeah, totally. I mean, being from the Northeast too, like you said, there was just something very special about seeing someone from your area on TV, on like the prime time biggest show of the 90s especially when you're at such a young age and you're kind of looking for role models and what other people are doing and yeah it was just so inspiring and I know that the North East is very very proud to have the legendary Jet born and bred in the area but yeah like as Di has heard many many times like she was the reason why she inspired me to think oh I can get this job in TV and work outside of the area in London and all, all of that stuff but still be a, a proud North Easterner as well so I can totally get with what Paul is saying 100%. Do you know, even more so in the last few years of my life, I'm now back in the Northeast after many years of not living here. And we have everything. Most importantly, the nicest people, I think. And um, we have moors and dale and forests. And we have beaches. There's not many parts of the country where you have that variation in fells and mountains and hills. We've got everything. Tell I love my, bit, my outdoors. Guy, did you realise back then the impact of you being from the northeast would have on the people living in the northeast in a word no but i grew up in the 1980s uh, 70s actually but the 1980s was when i kind of came of an age where i could start thinking about employment and my future and what i what i do remember about the northeast back then sadly was we had really low employment rates so a lot of us who were ambitious knew that we'd probably have to go and get educated elsewhere i.e london particularly if you want to go to media or theater or show business and then kind of take it from there really and that's why I never came back but there is nowhere and I've lived in a few parts of the country now since since all those years ago that actually is holding as much promise as Teesside in the northeast of England is right now in terms of development and employment opportunities and I am so proud when I thought I would never come back to the northeast to live so like your Steph McGovern's of the world and your Cammy 
areas of the world and all, all of the rest of the Teesside and Northeast gang out there incredibly proud. So for you Glad fans listening to this right now, were you a 90s kid in the Northeast? You know, can you echo what Paul was saying, what both Pauls were saying as well? But also, if guys, if you're listening from different parts of the world, you know, obviously we get the stats so we can see where people are tuning in in, in, in different parts of the world. But let us know where you're listening to. Let us know as well what your habits are when it comes to listening to this podcast. You know, are you walking the dogs? Are you going for a run? Do you have it in the car? We, we love getting that kind of correspondence as well. So you can get in touch with us at the GladPod by emailing gladpod at gladiatorstv.com or sliding into our DMs on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. But let's get on with this week's episode, shall we? Three, two, This week's guest made the contenders see stars during her time on Gladiators. Not only was she one of the most popular gladiators swinging from the pendulum, but also hitting the dizzy heights outside of the gladiatorial arena as a champion pole vaulter. It's Zodiac, everyone, aka Kate Staples. Welcome to the Glad Pod. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. third newcomer to the team, Zodiac, is indeed British pole vaulting champion. It's amazing to think she only took up the event two years ago and successfully broke the British record four times in one afternoon. Pole vault. That's yes. an interesting start to your gladiatorial journey, isn't it? Quite an interesting sport. How do you get into pole vaulting? That was going to be my question. Like, what was it about pole vaulting that you're like, this is the sport for me? It happened completely by accident. I was running an event at Eton College for children, and it was a relatively new event for, for women. And some girls were trying out the pole vault on that day. And I said, don't you worry about it. I'll join in. Let's do this together. And I happened to jump fairly well that day. And and my coach-to-be, Brian Hooper, said, you know what, you should take this a little bit seriously. So it started off as a bit of a bet, and then it became more and more serious, and then it became a huge passion of mine. So, yeah, they were great days. I just didn't know any of this. Like, you broke 42 British and 12 Commonwealth records. You were once ranked ninth in the world, and, you know, your best jump is only 20, 12 SEMs off the, uh, the world record. Off the world so record. It wasn't just a yeah. hobby. You were good at it. It wasn't just a hobby, no. And, and in fact, that last year I was in awesome shape and I'd had a pole made specifically for me that no woman in the world had ever jumped on and that was quite an interesting one because that was a real battle of the minds because when I ran down the run up I had no idea whether that pole would bend and whether I'd actually live or die I mean it literally was breaking sort of new ground at that stage so that was a very very exciting time and sadly you know I didn't get to go to the Olympics or the Commonwealth um, due to injury it it was fun whilst whilst it uh, happened and there was a you know a lot of a lot of fantastic memories but that's probably my bittersweet bit a lot of people go out with injury and you know I think most athletes will say you know if only that hadn't happened then I would have potentially gone on to do all these things but you have to just remain positive and look forward and and, and not dwell on the past really I competed in pole vaulting right the way through glads and it was only my injury on glads that actually then stopped me from continuing with my pole vaulting I qualified for the 96 Atlanta Olympics, but then they took the women's pole vault program out, out 
that he was in and then it was out. And then in that same year, the end of that year was when, when I had my, my injury. I'd hoped to go back to pole vault, but it just wasn't, my head wasn't in the right place after that. Talk to me about gladiators then. Did you apply or were you headhunted? So Tom McNabb was one of the coaches and he was also an athletics coach. He actually contacted my coach and said, oh, they're looking for some new gladiators. Kate should apply. They're looking for somebody who's quite fast and strong. Maybe Kate should apply. And the funny thing is, is I, I actually any intention of becoming a gladiator. So I'm actually an introverted extrovert and die will vouch for this. So I'm, I'm quite introverted by nature. And in those days, I was really quite shy. So the idea of going on television or speaking in public or doing anything like that was probably, it was just a horrendous thought. I just, it would have sort of sent me into sort of anxiety spins. So I decided I was, I was asked to come on and do the Wembley live show. And I thought, well, I'm never going to go on and stand in this con costume in front of millions of people. I'll just do the live show. And I'll say that's been an amazing experience. And then the next thing I know, two months later, I'm standing in a costume pine stage about to go out in front of 18 million people. So I'm not quite sure how how it happened but it did and it was um, a very interesting journey but I don't think I was prepared as well as a lot of the other gladiators to do that show if I look back and if I'm honest with myself. So what did go on then? I mean, how did that actually happen? I think there were quite a lot of gladiators that were very gregarious. I mean, I remember going on a Saturday morning show with Hunter and he looked at me and he said, and it was a Saturday morning show where they were going to name us. So all these children had written in and given various names and we got to choose our names. I remember Hunter going, so what's your move then? Oh, it's like, what? You know, just things like that. I think there was so much focus in my mind at the time on pole vaulting and my athletics career that I think that it was a little bit of a, a a battle in my own mind from being a serious athlete to then being on gladiators and that took a while and I think I became more extroverted and more confident as the series went on but it didn't come naturally to me at all a couple of weeks ago again we had a gladiator competition now the three brand new gladiators and we wanted you to name them yes, give we them did. brand new names do you want to take over i do i'll just bring it to yours because i think mine's gone okay. the first winner is lindsay proud uh, she's from gray yarmouth and uh, well done lindsay for naming the original kate staples who has now become zodiac yeah! <laughs> The challenge of the universe will take place at Wembley next weekend. Be there. Ooh. And I kind of look back at some of the early shows and I kind of cringe. And I look at them. Oh, you were beautiful <laughs> from the, 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 the get-go. You were absolutely gorgeous from the get-go. And I love it. Do you remember when we were backstage in the arena and had the green screen and we had to do some shots together for our titles? Yes. Yeah, when we had the, the necklaces on. Oh, we did. <laughs> oh, look at you oh. crying with laughter. Crying with laughter, exactly. And Kate, yeah. I just wanted to, to link back on the fact that you got named on the, the TV show What's Up Doc, which is the Saturday yes. show. Yes. And I was one of the kids that, that wrote in to try and name oh, stop the it. new gladiators. Oh, yeah. Were you I, really? I was. I, I said, oh. well, I think two of my options was star which isn't too far away from zodiac but yeah no, i like I, that i think i said tornado and taurus but i just wondered what were the other options for, for gladiator names for you can you remember any of them i think ash was one of them ash, ash. yes wow. yeah i know i think there was an instant positive with zodiac 
as you know, I, I was very into astrology at the time, and I, I was quite so that. Did you not? No, I was. I've always been really interested in horoscopes. And the funny thing is, when I was actually named zodiac, I used to get lots of letters from people asking me to write their horoscopes. <laughs> Mystic zodiac. You did the really like funny sketch with Mystic Meg as well for the oh Brian Conley show, where you came on with a pugil stick and whacked her across the head and said, um, "I think the words were." Well, you didn't see that coming, did you? Oh, that's hilarious. I've completely forgotten that. That is so funny. Good evening. Septic egg. On to the situation of the star signs. I see the 12 signs of the zodiac letting many of you down. I see the force of the Zodiac fading. In fact, this week, I see the Zodiac becoming powerless. All this I see in my crystal ball. I didn't see that coming, bitch. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to hit somebody across the head now, would you? Kate, when you joined, <laughs> gonna... you, you were told yeah. that, you, you know, you, you're going to be there as the new glad to replace the ones that were going out. So you've already coming in with a bit of rivalry, yeah. aren't you? Definitely. In fact, when I was brought in at the live shows, I think some of the gladiators were told that someone was leaving and that I was going to be there to replace somebody. So there was that hostility and that was quite difficult to walk into. Obviously, then they didn't come to the filming. They had already left when I started the filming. But during the live shows, that was that was quite, quite awkward. Yeah, I know that the producers must have really struggled with what they wanted for that as well, because there was supposed to be two new girls, you and somebody else for the live shows. And that was very publicised. But whoever this other person was supposed to be just never materialized in, in, in time for the Wembley show so you yeah were obviously on the producer's radar of somebody that they definitely wanted to be on the show and yeah it just must have been so strange for I suppose Di you and the other girls knowing hey there's this new amazing gladiator coming in and she potentially is going to take one of our jobs do you remember that Di I do but I, I personally never felt threatened but more like oh wow we've got a newbie <laughs> And little Dad, did I know that this newbie would share the hotel room near the arena where we were all put up? It would actually have, like, we'd be next door to each other and we just, we like, absolutely bonded, didn't we, from the very beginning? Well, I, think, I mean, for me, I mean, we end up with all of these incredible memories, but probably my biggest memories are the, the, the fun times that we had out of filming and the friendship that we had. We had such yeah. a strong bond. It was a good de-stress, wasn't it? Because it was so surprised in the arena, alien environment. You know, this huge, massive kind of arena, literally a gladiatorial arena. You get literally one chance, one chance to actually prove yourself. So to then go back to the hotel in the evening and just go, oh. In their heats, Kathy in pink and Janet in yellow both score 10 for reaching the top. So this is going to be quite a climb. And the gladiators are up and at them. Jets on Kathy and Zodiac's on Janet. And Janet is struggling. Zodiac's there. Zodiac's horoscope, more horoscope for Janet. And Jet's got Kathy. She's going to give her a flying lesson. <laughs> Jet unsticks Kathy from the wall. Thanks to Jet and Zodiac, the scores remain the same. 
did you feel like you had to do anything different or did you just kind of let your gladiatorial self show through and eventually became part of the group? I definitely did not feel isolated or alienated or or, or felt that I, I had to. Obviously, I wanted to prove myself, but I think having the friendships with Lightning and, and Jet very early on, I did feel like I had quite a lot of support around me. I was used to competing and I think that's helpful. You know, with the pole vaulting, you're able to sort of keep that mindset and hold your own. I think the hardest bit for me was actually doing interviews after the games. I, I absolutely hated doing them. <laughs> you were always brilliant. I always used to look over at you and you always knew exactly what the, you always said the right thing. You always looked amazing. And I just always felt that, I don't know, I, I, I felt that everybody could see my nerves. And funny, when I've seen some clips, I don't look nervous at all, really. It is funny how if you are anxious inside, other people really can't see that. And I think people have been surprised when I've said later, when I've sp spoken in schools to children and spoken about how I was not a natural extrovert. You know, they've they found that really interesting because they, you know, swinging around on everything on gladiators for, for a number of years, you'd think that you were the biggest extrovert going, wouldn't you? Zodiac, very good climb indeed. Terrific. You just threw yourself up the wall. Thank you very much, Ulrika. Um, she went up very, very quickly up to the first overhang, but uh, luckily I caught up with her. So well done anyway. <laughs> well done to Zodiac and Jean. We all found it challenging at times, but then brilliant at times. If you could have just stayed to just do the live shows rather than transitioning to the TV, would you have just been happy with the like the live shows instead? I think I probably would have found that easier. I, I think it's a huge gift that Di Jet mastered. I mean, obviously your background, Di, was different. You were trained as a dancer and, and in acting. I think as soon as early on when I used to see the cameras and everything, that, that did make it a little bit harder for me. But then after a while, you know, it's like anything. You If you keep going, and you're determined and you you know you don't want to give up at something things become easier and things become more natural in the end i was very comfortable around the cameras so that was a great life lesson Think about the gladiators and about being a sportsman you don't get great just always winning you get great by accepting to lose you get back up and keep fighting so remember that good piece of sporting philosophy from zodiac there not everyone can be a winner and in losing learn from your mistakes there was a lot of them, wasn't there? A lot of cameras everywhere. Everywhere. And and that was quite hard. I mean, and sometimes you'd be, you know, at the top of the pyramid and you'd be thinking, right, okay, and you're all psyched up, you're all ready to go. And then suddenly say, okay, camera one, okay, take a break, everybody. And you're like up there at the top of a pyramid for 20 minutes. Oh, I think you and I were actually suspended upside down on Skytrack once, weren't we? And we were both holding our neck. And you can see us chatting to each other, going, do you know how much longer we get? When's the camera going to be fixed? How long are we going to be dangling up here for? And that never gets portrayed on the... <laughs> on that final moment when you're racing around. Didn't you have like quite a funny nickname for the platform that would raise you up to the sky track? It was something about the coffin, wasn't it? Coffin. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about like determination and stuff. I think one of the unique things with you being a gladiator is that you actually had to try out twice. So you tried out before the Wembley live shows. And then when they ended, you did another tryout with Hunter, who wasn't at the Wembley live shows, who was joining the TV series. And then you had to do another tryout again. Why did you have to try out again when you'd already proved yourself at the live shows? I think they wanted just to put us through all of the tests. The thinnest test that everybody else had done. I know one of the tests we had to do 
that, you know, the rope hanging down, like in the old gym, you know, off the ceilings and you had to climb up the rope. I have to say, I was a bit of a show off then because I actually put my legs straight out, I think, on the second one. <laughs> like in the V-set. Oh, <laughs> like the pole vaulting is so much about your upper body strength. Yeah, yeah. So that was probably one of the best tests for me, having to climb a rope. And like, one of the tests is climbing the rope. I'm like, okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm not quite sure why i had to do it. i don't even remember that the time frame of that to be honest if you'd have told me i'd have done the test and then done the, the live shows and gone straight into the filming that's really how how i remember it happening but maybe i did try out twice where um they were in london somewhere and there were thousands of people queuing up outside i remember that <laughs> there were loads of people trying and I think we had to do some jumps over the side. We had to do the rope climb. What else did we have to do? We had to do a bleep test, didn't we? Running backwards and forward. But it was, you know, it was it was fun. I mean, I think the hardest is actually getting enough practice time on the games because when I came Everybody in... Everybody echoes that. Everybody yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I'd had an injury in the training with Nightshade had worn a... Do you remember she had that bracelet around the top of her arm? Unfortunately, it just caught my finger and, and it split the side of my finger down. So then they had to stitch it in rehearsals. And then, of course, when I went to go and put on the guard for Hang Tough for practice, I actually couldn't get the hand guard on. And there were a few other things, like the wall. I think I kept having a problem with the, with the stitches breaking when I kept trying to mm -hmm. jump up on the wall. So I think that was probably the biggest challenge. What were your best and worst events? Best. I think it changed over the years, but I probably said I did love Pendulum. Really love Pendulum. I think I made that my game. We predicted she'd be a star in this event, and she's proved us right. Zodiac, they don't come more heavenly, taller than her opponent and marginally heavier. Should be a good chase as they prime the pendulum. Three, two, one. The clock is ticking and the pendulum is swinging. Janet will score five for staying on the pendulum for 40 seconds and 10 for the full minute. Zodiac will be looking to snatch the flag from Janet's back. And already, Zodiac proving why she's one of the queens of the ball. Backing down onto Janet. Janet retreating, desperately fighting gravity. And Janet looks to have run out of ideas and places to hide. And the family look overjoyed as Zodiac flags her down. And while they're enjoying the ride, let's enjoy the replay. Zodiac is just such a fast globetrotter. She has the measure of Janet in a nanosecond. Yet again, another clean sheet for Zodiac. That's what we like to see in Pendulum. We like to see our gladiators do their jobs. It's a fantastic game. Every year, gladiators introduce new games. And they always seem to prove more exciting and more dynamic. And that's my game. Thanks, Birmingham. Let's hear it for Zodiac. Well done. Yes, well done, Zodiac. We said that would be a great event for her. Worst? Well, it has to be Polax, doesn't it? Were there any others that you were, like, just not keen on, or that one aside? Yeah, you? the tilt. I don't think anyone liked tilt. No, I don't think so either. I mastered the tilt, and, you know, you had to get that platform back really quickly. And then there was that bucking Bronco thing. Two forward, two back. Been around, backwards, two forward. And then I'd be thinking in my mind, and you just completely, I would try and memorize what this stupid thing was going to do. It was very funny. And then, oh, yes, and you've got to swing at somebody at the same time as trying not to fort lol. That was funny. Didn't like that one. Event four, tilt. Joe is on her platform and she's going to be pulling against Zodiac. 
Zodiac with the disadvantage of being on the top table. Over to John Anderson. So she'll need every ounce of her ten stone to tilt it back. Three, two, second pull. One. Zodiac's got it back this time. It looks like Joe's struggling. And the tables have turned. Zodiac pulls one back. We can see once that table's back, Zodiac certainly knows how to pull. Going back to Tilt as well, probably like the one of the most horrendous, like you'd just done your your contender and done two pulls and then Panther had her horrendous injury where she went yeah. to the front and full scorpioned over her, like legs over her head. Then they pulled you back on again and you had to yeah. go against her contender. How on earth could you stand on that platform having just competed and then just saw what had happened to Panther? I just don't know how you could kind of tackle that in your head. To yeah, kind of I'm... Yeah, I mean, you had to just compartmentalise and there was that pressure to go out and not let your team down. And I think that's probably what made me go out and not say, absolutely no way, I'm not doing that. I'm not going out there. But, you know, we didn't in those days. We were very compliant and I was very shocked for Panther. She had a very nasty fall and I just thought what well, I'd be cowardly if I didn't go out. I'd be letting her down if I didn't go out and, you know, take over for her. Is up for her second pull, and because of the accident to Panther, she'll be facing Zodiac. Zodiac, two inches taller, but giving away seven pounds. Over to John Anderson. Take the straight. Three, two, second pull. One. Zodiac gets a table back, precariously balanced. Not sure she's allowed to kneel down like that, but John Anderson's letting it go. as well as strength. It's a question of who's the first to wilt on the tilt. She's already picked up five from her first ball and she'll get two here if she hangs on for the draw. Oh, Zodiac doing well in a difficult situation. We're out of time. Zodiac. She is very, very tough and very strong. I wasn't looking forward to going up there with her, but it was a good match. Looked like you just were going to grit your teeth and just hold on for a draw. I was, actually. I got cramp in my calves. That's all I was thinking about at the time. Now, once that platform tilts, you're finished. You're finished. That's right. Yeah, it's all about getting that tilt back. It's the name of the game. Well, well done. You held her off. Thank Let's hear it for Zodiac! Let's hear it to Panther as well. And, of course, Panther! Talking about having to talk after events and stuff like that. And like, I always felt you were very gracious, win or lose, really. Like, the, the, there was a really great quote that I read where you said that the thing about the gladiators and about being sportsmen, you don't get great for always just winning. You get great by accepting to lose and get back up and keep fighting. Remember that. And I think that's right. And I think that was a, a great example. We were a great example for kids then that we I think in life you actually learn much more about losing than you do from winning that's for certain and I remember with my pole vaulting I actually true with the US champion Melissa Price and I was furious in the British championships and Linford Christie said to me afterwards he said you never learn anything from winning all the time you know and it's so true 
and and everything you do in every walk of life, you know, I think when you get a knockback, you come back stronger and more determined. Gladiators was very interesting because you can't be brilliant at 27 games, although I suppose Hunter would argue that, but um, <laughs> we all had our strengths and we all came together as a team. Yeah, what about Powerball in your first series, suffering the concussion after clashing heads with contender Lisa Thompson? Can you remember much about that? Not a huge amount that evening because I think I passed out either in the arena or off to the outside backstage so I know that we had a we had a good clunk hit my uh, cheekbone and and then I was in hospital and I was brought back after a couple of nights from hospital to the hotel and I had to have one of the security in my room because I kept leaving my bedroom to go down and they find me wandering around in the lobby and sort of doing very strange things so they actually had to have one of security stay in me to keep an eye on me because I had the proper concussion so Jackie's ready and Lisa's ready and they're going to be facing three of our gladiators, Lightning, Falcon and Zodiac. Contenders, ready. Play ball. Here comes Jackie. Oh, and a quick two points there. Great start. And Lisa. Oh, taken out by Lightning. Great tackle. There's Falcon. Good block. Oh, look at that clash of heads. That was nasty. And Zodiac not moving. John Anderson has stopped it now. And now neither girl is moving. This is worrying. The St. John's ambulance are moving in. And Zodiac obviously worried about a cheekbone. Well, that's a relief to see Lisa on her feet. And Zodiac going off for an X-ray on that suspected cheekbone fracture. Welcome back to the National Indoor Arena. We can go straight down to the medical room where we can get an update on Zodiac. Thank you, John. Yes, we're here with Zodiac at the moment, who's just returned from the hospital, having had some X-rays. Thankfully, showing no fractures. Uh, she can collided with another contender and sustained mild concussion and some soft tissue swelling of the cheek. Uh, we've withdrawn her for the next 24 hours, uh, as well as the other contender, I might add, and uh, hopefully she'll be back with us next week. You don't remember much about the accident, do you? Um, no, I don't remember anything about the accident. Um, I know that uh, Lisa and I collided. Uh, we both blacked out um, and uh, I went off after that. I know that Lisa had to withdraw from the competition as well, so you know I wish her all the best. Um, and I'm just very keen to get back into the show and uh, carry on competing with everybody else. Walking into the NIA for the very first time, how did you feel? I think the perspective of what people see on television and then what you see as a reality, knowing that you're going to be a gladiator, they're so different. You know, you can sit at home and you can look at 
hang tough and say, oh, that's so easy just to swing across there. The perspective of television and the reality of those rings being however many, 10 feet apart, it was humbling, I think is probably the best word. You know, am I going to be good enough? Am I, you know, going to make other people proud? Am I going to fit in with the team? Am I, how am I going to do on these events? You know, how are the contenders going to do? And I think there were just so many things running through my mind when you go into a huge arena like that. And it was so different to pole vaulting. Yes, I was used to competing, but there was so much excitement. The atmosphere was absolutely electric to the point now, and I don't know, Di, if you get this, but when particular songs come on, like Atlaspheres, for example, I'm literally transported back in time into that cheese grater. And I'm and I'm in there and I can I can see myself and I can feel that adrenaline and that rush and that excitement of of going into combat, which is essentially what we were doing. It was exciting and dreadful and brilliant and all of these different emotions sort of put into one. What interests me right now is how could you compare your mentality about approaching going out as pole vaulter to sitting in the pig pen to prepare for what you knew you would go out to do. Was there any difference or did you just employ the same mindset? Pole vaulting is is a little bit of a chess game and it is a mind game. You know, you're having to choose which pole you're jumping on. It's a bit of a mind game. Shall I pass? Shall I come in higher than everybody else? Shouldn't it? And, and I think that's very helpful. And also pole vault competitions go on for three, four hours. I think having that relationship, you know, like if we were up at the top of the pyramid or if you were I mean I think chatting and not over controlling your adrenaline so you use it to your advantage I think is essential we're talking about peak performance that moment when you know you're just the adrenaline is right at the right peak of what you need to do and and I think that was really hard wasn't it because you know Mm -hmm. if you go out to do 100 meters you know you're going to start at exact at that moment you will start Mm -hmm. with gladiators you said there were so many other elements that could come into play an injury or you know a camera or another take or something didn't and so you had to be able to have that mental strength to control that adrenaline and, and just keep yourself strong so you didn't kind of the bubble burst really yeah. and i know this is always quite i say a vague question and i know it's hard to probably put it all into 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 one answer but what would you say are your fondest memories of your time being on the show fondest memories i think probably the friendships pas i love doing the pas i think that for all of us the hardest time in the year was actually doing the filming. They were such long days. We were, you know, essentially from 10 in the morning till midnight. And But I think probably the friendships with close girlfriends and, and a lot of the guys that, that I that absolutely adored on the show, I think that camaraderie is probably my best memory. It's really hard to cast my mind back. It's such a long time ago, sitting in that pig pen when everybody would be laughing and actually looking up onto the TV monitor and everybody would be behind that person out in the arena and geeing them on. I mean, I think they were great memories because it was just so positive. It was a really positive energy. And I think each year that we were on the show, it became the bond was better. I mean, as the show developed, we went from sitting on chairs backstage to then we had the sofas and the, you know, (laughs) it kind of like went from sort of basic to deluxe to VIP, didn't it, each year? (laughs) I think some of the funniest memories uh, did usually involve Cobra because he just... (laughs) 
he made me laugh so much. I mean, I think there was one time when we were leaving the hotel and they did, the security did a, a head count and there was a double-decker coach and Mick had actually climbed out the skylight of the coach <laughs> did and walked along whilst the coach was moving, came down the other skylight. So when the security did the head count, they had an extra gladiator. Things like that, the moment were, I think, because you were going in and there was all that, the nerves and that you're going to combat and there was all of that. There was just, you could never, ever explain it. Nobody would ever understand it who wasn't there. You know, Shadow, when I first joined, I think he used to come along in the morning. We'd sit on the edge of our bed and you'd get your games underneath or the piece of paper underneath the, the door. The paper under yeah. the door. Yeah. And, and I think he'd kind of go down banging on the doors going, yo, people, we're going to war like this. And I'd be like, what? I signed up for. But you would, you'd get carried away with him. Think, yeah, we're going into the arena. And it was just incredible. If I think of gladiators and think of that, I see it almost like a movie. There's yeah. lots of little pieces that come together in my mind to make one picture. But definitely my friendship with Di, Lightning, we were, you know, we were very, very close as a team. And I think you being in the in the room next door to me, Di, and our friendship of laughing and joking and at the end of the the day was probably my highlight. Oh, thank yeah. you. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in series three, you had a Z or a Z painted on your arm. Yeah. Were you yeah. ever tempted to get it as a real tattoo? Whose idea was it? No, my mum would have killed me in those days. <laughs> I mean, the twos, are, the twos are really accepted now, aren't they? And they're very cool. But I think if I'd gone home with a Z on my, my, on my shoulder, my mum was my headmistress. She would have actually killed me. I remember when I was chatting to some of the production staff and they were like, in the Gladiator's contract, it says that they're not allowed to get tattoos. So yeah. I always thought it was strange that they weren't allowed tattoos, but then every show you would have paintings on you and surely it would get smudged by the content. It didn't. No, it didn't. And then it stayed on pretty much overnight and then makeup used to, wardrobe used to just kind of highlight it the next day. I don't actually know whose idea that was and why I had a Z on my heart. Really have no idea. Aside from perhaps lightning, you probably had the most dramatic transformations from starting gladiators to leaving. Your costume went from like the standard two piece to a high neck top to then a low neck to a neck top. Your hair also went more and more glamorous as the show went on. So did you feel that it it was something that the production team were doing to sort of change your image and, I don't know, becoming a bit more show busy? Yeah, I, I guess so. And I became more confident. Uh, my costume definitely got much smaller to the point that I was concerned that there were, you know, cutbacks at London Weekend Television because we had to glue we had to glue my costume on in the last series. It was so minute. I was like, okay, you one this big and now we're down to this. It was a size for handkerchiefs. I, I know what you mean. I, I, I definitely, my image changed change over the years and I don't know maybe that's just television and being around other glamorous women and and wanting to I don't think I was ever told to change the color of my hair or anything I just I just think that's a gradual process and what was your favorite costume did you design any yeah I designed that last one I wanted to hold a neck and I love that costume I didn't like my first one like the Bridget Jones pants from the they beginning were Bridget Jones pants. I've still got I think I've got all of my costumes don't tell Paul that. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because we're trying to hunt down. I've been trying to help Kate hunt down her Zodiac helmet oh, and, and, and body armour as well. So yeah. it's probably out there with some fans. So if anybody's got it... I would so love 
to show my boys that helmet. The set and all of the games were bought by in Sweden, so they were shipped over to Sweden for them to use in the Swedish gladiators. However, all of the costumes and helmets and protective pads and stuff were given to some, I think it was like a sports charity for their youth events and stuff, and they pretty much all ended up on eBay, so it was like a free-for-all of gladiator fans buying these costumes and helmets and, and, and whatnot. So remember it back in the day seeing Zodiac's helmet on eBay, so... <gasps> so it could have been European though as well so we're not even yeah. talking about anyone here yeah. do you have your original helmet Di? no would you like it Di? would it mean a lot for you to get that back i barely wore it because i didn't do um do much with it no actually whoever's got it give it to paul would be great to actually run through some stats of your time on gladiators oh wow as we know okay. you excelled in speed and the agility events such as sky track Pursuit, Pyramid, Hang Tough, yeah. and specifically Pendulum, which all of the Gladiator fans refer to you as the queen of the Pendulum. You played it seven times and you won six. But over the entire series of your Gladiator's career, your win rate of being successful on the games is 64%, which is really good. But I think in the last series, it would have been higher than that, wouldn't it? That's your average, is it, over the that's, years? That's the average, yeah. So out of 50 individual games, you won 32 of them which has worked out really well. But in Series 4 in 1995, you were the top performing female gladiator with a win rate of 80.95% 80.95% of the game. Oh, love that. Um, so just behind Hunter, who had a win rate of 82.86%. Whoa! You oh, you made my day! <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm not sure what was going on in Series 4, but whatever you were having for breakfast was working. Isn't that great? That's really good to know. Can you put that in writing, please? Your most played events one-on-one, you played the wall 14 times. Did I? And won eight of them. That's not very good. And then finally, you were undefeated on Hang Tough. You played four times, won three, drew one. Polax, which you played that twice, won it twice. Pyramid, you played that four times and won that four times as well. Yeah, really great record. Well, I I know the last series, I really, really enjoyed that one because I felt that my confidence had come out and, you know, everything that was a real challenge for me in series one, I think I kind of, you know, I battled with that and and overcame a lot of fears that I had. So that's really good to know. Just shows, doesn't it? So let's talk about leaving, lads. Sum it up in your own words. It was Polax, wasn't it? You're practicing yeah. Polax with, with lightning and, and take it take us from there. They wanted to see who was quickest up the pole. We did a race up onto Polax and they didn't realise. So I got up to the very top and then one of the riggers actually hit the detonator whilst I was up. I didn't realise they were because we were, we, were, we were training. And anyway, I came down as I came down my my shoulders over rotated and and my knees came under and I had a very bad fall and I knew that I had done something quite bad I felt like somebody put a knife into my arm but yeah it really was when I look back and I've only actually digested everything in the lockdown it's taken all this time to really digest how big a thing it was for me in my life I did a whole series so I went to hospital and they did the um, scans and they said I was fine I did a whole series of gladiators with a double broken neck when I look back that is I can't really get my head around that you know I had a double rupture and it wasn't until 
just before the start of the series, the next series, that I ended up, I was having a lot of neurological problems and my physio said, I'm going to get the scan reread. And so, yeah, they reread them. And, and that's really the extent of, of what had happened came to light. So I ended up, uh, sadly, I, I really hoped that I was going to come back from the surgery and I'd get back to, you know, competing and going to the Olympics, which was my well, my absolute dream. Yeah, I had 11-hour surgery and a double fusion and it was it was very life-threatening surgery and my head really wasn't the same after that very grateful that obviously it had gone well but it definitely humbled me in a way that after that I wasn't the same I wasn't prepared to take the same risks as I was beforehand when you talk about that right now what are your feelings well I'm trying to actually say it without actually really thinking about it because it's taken me a very very long time to even be able to talk about it without it being very emotional for me as you can see I'm already now getting Mm -hmm. emotional because it does you know I think when things happen when you're young it's very easy I I think I probably would have brushed it off and said oh yeah I broke my neck or yeah you know you don't really absorb I think it's your your body's way your mind's way of coping with something that's quite big I think it's taken you know as we get older we get wise don't we and you look back and you think gosh she that was that was really quite a big thing to to overcome and to come to terms with and losing the my athletics I think was probably the hardest with that but I think in life really you have to take the positives out of something bad I really try to do that and you know it changed my life into a different direction and I've done fantastic things since then and I think you know you can think right well I'm going to sink or I'm going to swim you know and I'm going to no, I'm going to come back and I'm going to rise up and be positive and, and not let this be my making, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to have loads of other fantastic experiences. And I think you've just got to, yeah, always look at the positive and that's what I've tried to do. And I think the more that you give out to other people and the more you actually try and focus on not internalizing it too much, I think the better it is. But that's probably enough said about the matter. Well, my beautiful gladiator sister. Well, we all did it. You know, we all had, you had a, a nasty, nasty fall. And I think it could have been so much worse. You know, I, I count my blessings every single day that I wasn't paralyzed and, I, and, and I'm running around and, and I've lived a very active life. Although, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've got pain and I've got a fusion and I've got you know, issues. Fantastic. I'm one of the luckiest people in the world. Just one final thing in that, because even even in 97, you were still listed in some of the like official gladiators merchandise. And you was down to appear in some personal appearances and panto. And in some of the press around Ellersberth, you'd kind of mentioned that you'd intended to return to gladiators for the 98 series. So at that time, were you thinking about returning to the show after the operation? Yeah, I think I was. I think I was hoping to come back to it all. I wanted to come back to jump, to pole vault. In fact, we did my surgery in a way so I'd have the mobility or try and have the ability in my neck because they wanted to actually put something in between the the fusion. But anyway, they did a natural fusion hoping hoping that I'd get back. But um, as I said, my I just wasn't really, my, my head was in a very different place after that. I mentioned fondness earlier on in terms of fondest memories, but despite the injury and everything that came about after that and leaving the show, fast forward all these years, do you look back at your time now with a Zodiac with fondness? When I look back, I think there are an awful lot of the positives that came from from doing the show, the people I met, 
experiences I had. I think things could have been done differently at the time with my accident. They probably would be done differently now. I think the world's changed. I think that was hard. I think um, probably mentally it was harder than it was physically after my accident and because I just disappeared you know just one minute I was on the show I think my face came off and it was just I think there wasn't very much closure and I think that was quite hard I don't know Di how did you feel when you came off because you chose to leave didn't you before me I did I was being scraped off the bottom of the crash mat of pyramid the last thing I remember is being in an ambulance and then thinking I'm not ever going to risk my my spinal health that was it for me but that was such a brave thing to do because for you um, I think that showed such strength on your part yeah I just thought you know I saved up enough money so I could go back to university and study something of my passion which I'd known from a child which is psychotherapy and psychology but yeah it was a bit weird because even people close to me at the time were going but you're just like coming from a fan perspective i think that is one thing as well that you were kind of shown as these superhero people while of the audience i think as even as a fan watching you forget that these are real people this was the turning point within gladiators because there was a lot of injuries to you both and other people as well and new gladiators had to be be brought in the, the girls team had to, like so many new faces the next series there was more yeah. than actual people who'd kind of transferred over with yeah it definitely was the point of where the, the show had to change just because it was dealing with real people not these superhuman gladiators that that are untouchable and don't have lives outside of the show as well i think that just health and safety just wasn't thought through well mm-hmm. enough at that stage was it and i mean it was going to be so interesting to see the new series how the hell can you recreate what you and i did kate yeah. With the Gladiator show, with health and safety as it is today, and make equally spectacular. It is incredible. I mean, that Polax was the one that really did show time and time again that there were a lot of injuries on that. I mean, I, I know the falling the falling games as well. So I just don't know how they could because essentially we risked our lives, didn't we, in a lot of those. I mean, we were falling big heights with very little experience of falling. But I mean, Di was the first person to have an accident. I mean, I'll never forget that. On Polax, I ran up. Do you remember I ran up the steps? and <laughs> So Di goes up and she, we were, you know, right, you go up halfway and you do this and you put your arms crossed and then you fall backwards. So Di, off she goes. And then I hear her like... I don't know if you cry or you you were definitely in pain and I could hear that. So I ran up the sort of air flight steps that went up to the to the airbag and poor Di was lying there and she's looked at me and she went, How's my nose? And literally it was actually across your face, wasn't it? You'd completely broken your nose. And I think we had a laugh, didn't we, at the time? And I said something like, Well, I think it seemed better days because <laughs> it was literally <laughs> I remember, so I ran up the Polax and I came off because I was saying, you've got to cross your arms and straighten your legs. I don't think I actually met that detail. So I landed on the airbag and my knees hit my face. No, no, but that wasn't you. Yeah, that wasn't you doing anything I, wrong. That's exactly no, what no, happened no, to me. The, you've actually seen my nose out the left hand of my uh, oh. my left eye. I'm like, why is my nose under my left eye? <laughs> and then you crawled up onto the airbag and went, and I said, Kate, Hey, please tell me my nose is not broken. You went, die. <laughs> Your nose is broken. <laughs> I'm just going to say probably the last thing about Horlax is something that you might actually find quite interesting is that I spoke a few months ago to the event designer who created Polax. Really? 
Yes, and he said that his vision for the Polax, and I've seen the sketch, was never for the gladiators or contenders to have that free fall. It was They were always attached. If you think about it, we were doing a, the wall, and you got to the wall. You didn't do a free fall. You, of yeah. course we should, have, we should have had something on the back blurring us down afterwards. Yeah. And the visual aspect that he was going to have was that the, the hand-hold and foot pegs that you held onto, they would kind of like explode out. So that would be like the visual like boom, like they've won. He was never really that happy that obviously the event was was changed from his kind of conception of what he wanted it to do. So yeah. Well I think when yeah, when we looked into it after the four, I think we were told that anything over 30 20 feet is it 20 feet or 30 feet is a is a stunt and the most dangerous way for a stunt person is to go backwards a stunt person from that height would always go forward and then like do a somersault at that last bit yeah yeah because they can judge that distance whereas that was the problem going backwards is that we rotated back with the the amount of time going down i'm totally with you boy it baffles me and i look back and go why that was so unnecessary the accident just shouldn't have happened because we should have been on a you know on a harness i know but they didn't as you said with health and safety back in those days it was very different we're talking 30 years ago it's no excuse you know it just shows how much we've distance traveled how far we've gone i mentioned um ella a little bit earlier on because october 97 She becomes, the, you know, the first gladiator baby. She's got 100% gladiatorial DNA running through her veins. And obviously, Jet being the godmother as well. I yeah. mean, it's a gladiator loving. Do you think Ella would be interested in joining the new BBC series? Let's start training her. I mean, I don't know. I think we have to watch the first series and see how it comes across. I mean, again, being a protective mother, I'd have to see the health and safety and how it's, how it's sort of run because I wouldn't want to push her into anything that I thought could risk a serious injury for her. It would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> Imagine Ella as a gladiator. <laughs> Do you know what? I picture her being the, the psychologist behind the scenes. Would you? Yeah. yeah. Because that's her training. Yeah. It's what she's good she's at. very gentle. I don't, I don't yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. she's very very gentle. Maybe one of my boys would be glad, but they haven't got the DNA, same DNA. But... Just to mention to Kai and Luca, because obviously they're going to feel left out if I don't mention yes. on, on that. Yeah, <laughs> they're both rugby boys. Hi, it's Jet and Zodiac here, and we've just popped into the Birmingham International Arena. And as you can hear, it's to watch our international friends training here. The thing is, is that we've all got the same events, but there's few events that we have that they don't have, so. Yeah, well, there's one in particular, which is standing behind us, and that's Polax. <laughs> And uh, boy, are we looking forward to seeing them try that later on this afternoon because we know how we felt when we had a go. Kate, talk me through your your friendship with Di. I know she's obviously here on this Glad Pod as well. For you, when was it that the friendship started to blossom? Was it immediate? Was it was there a moment where you were just it just something that connected you both? I can never remember Gladiators without Di, really. But I can't remember at what stage we became very close friends. Di, help me out here because my I'm trying to remember whether I think it was series two that we became really close. It was. Yeah, and I think we just we just had a really good friendship. And I think I was, as I said, I'm, you know, I am quite shy as a person initially when I, and I just felt I was able to be very authentic with, with Di. We had a geographical kind of link because I was in Surrey and you were and in... And you were in Surrey. That's yeah. right. 
exactly right and then we did lots of dog walking with uh with them we've had a a a great i mean it's a life friendship i think you are a life friend i would definitely say that and i think of a lot of the gladiators with a lot of warmth and and a lot of people made me laugh and a lot of people were great friends but Mm -hmm. yeah definitely you know i'd say there's a handful of people from gladiators that will be lifelong friends for me absolutely okay you were there for me in some of my darkest darkest times and i'll never ever forget that you didn't take part in the sky one legends episodes but you did attend some to what and what did you what did you think of the sky one series well i mean it just for me it it didn't come across as well i mean i think the great thing about the original gladiators was that authenticity everybody really were true to themselves everybody had their own personality in the next series i think that was a little bit harder to see people's personalities because they came across as being very stern and very kind of serious and it was quite hard to to get their personalities across so for me the the falls into the swimming pool it just wasn't the same there was something very magical about that first series you know whether it was wolf coming out and that you know the silly music with him doing his stunts which were hilarious i mean he was such a funny man (laughs) really i mean i love love wolf to bits and he such a kind person and he just made me laugh every single time he went out on that show because he was able to do things that we were never able to do you know if we if we got told off by John Anderson, they were actually stern tellings off. Whereas, you know, if Red card sold off, he would eat the yellow card. He'd just eat it. Push him back on a crash mat and I'd sit backstage. Oh, I'd love to do that. This is perfect. He's created the best role on this show for himself. He's taken all the pressure off. Yeah, he was he was great. I have completely digressed now. But yeah, I don't know why I went on to Wolf. Would you have been tempted to pull on the lycra again? Oh, absolutely. No. <laughs> no. I, I might for a laugh actually take one of my costumes out and, and try one on just for old time's sake. But no, you can't go back. I mean, we have our memories and I can close my eyes and I can feel so clearly as if I'm in that arena right now. I mean, that will never go. It was such a big show and it was so, the memories are so... They're huge. So I, I, I don't have to put a Lycra costume on. I can just close my eyes and I can recall it all very, very clearly. Yeah, and just talking a bit about, Kate, what you're doing today, because you've got two successful businesses. You've got Aspire to Greatness that you, you do with yeah. uh, Daily Thompson. So that's an athletic yeah. club for kids and schools in 40 schools across the home counties. And we've got outdoor fitness training camps for women. But also there's a very nice line in here I wanted to pick up on you. You want women in their 50s to become warriors how can they become warriors in their 50s well because I, I think this is the best time I mean for me I would probably say what do we learn as we get older as we get into our 50s we are able really to be authentic and you have wisdom but there is no reason why we have to stop training why we have to you know I just want to inspire women that it's not too late to be fit you know I've overcome huge injuries and I'm still loving my fitness and training my clients and inspiring them that even if they've been out for 10 15 20 years they can get back and 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 get in shape and and get so much out of it and i think at this stage in our life it's more important for our mental health than our physical I men obviously physical health is important but what i get back from my clients is, is when they are training together in a group with myself or you know that they feel that the benefits mentally are huge because it's an interesting time of life you know you have that a lot of women who have had children uh, have the empty nest syndrome and they you know they've left they've gone to university or they've gone out into the world to work and you spend so many years feeling important and doing everything for everybody else and then all of a sudden you're 
you're a bit like, oh, yeah, you're not seeing people socially as much because you're not dropping your children off and seeing other mums. I think it's a lot to be said of really wanted more, actually, this the next year or so, training women from midlife and beyond because I, I just, I think it's a huge it's really important and just before we let you go Kate I'm going to leave the final question to producer Paul this time so yeah I've got I've got two random fan questions that have been coming through probably for for you as well Di to be honest what did you both think of your Hornby gladiators action figures that were produced because not many of the female gladiators had them there was only Jet, Zodiac and Panther that was produced so yeah, what what did you think about it? And were you flattered that you were were created as a plastic action figure? Yeah, well, actually, I think our figures were exactly the same. Um, <laughs> but mine probably were... Was, was, I think I was you with blonde hair. That's The figure was exactly the same. But I had long blonde hair and you had dark hair. And actually, a friend of mine, when they saw it, I had a goldfish. Oh, I used to live in Wimbledon. I had a goldfish bowl with a little brick. And uh, my little goldfish used to go around every day in this bowl. And they brought the figurine of me with my pugil stick on this bridge. This little goldfish used to go round and round me, which was really quite funny. But I think I've got one sealed in a box downstairs. I've still got one. But my kids don't listen to me. I show, see, look, I was imported one time. <laughs> There was a figurine of me. Second and final question from me, and this is a little bit of a weird one. I remember back in the day, was this whole there was this newspaper article or magazine article about the necklaces that it was talking about your friendship together, Jet and Zoom. Oh, these necklaces that you would wear on the shore sometimes and in publicity photographs. And I'm sure it had something to do with like the sun and the moon. I could be totally wrong. I couldn't find the the kind of magazine article that was speaking about it. Was yeah. it? It was like an amulet, wasn't it? It was. It was the quite Viking. Yeah. Can't even actually remember the why and how we did that, but I think I wore a lot of that kind of like a. I a think dip he said that. it was a protective stone. Or so yeah, I can't exactly. remember. But anyway, something. Like yes. Yeah. I've forgotten that as well. <laughs> yes. Hey, thank you so much for coming on to the Glad Pod. You're and, welcome. And answering all of our questions, and yeah, it has been a, a journey for you in all that time. The final question that we always ask our guests is if I had a way or a button that you could press that would take you back to well 92 93 take take you back to the early 1990s i said you can press it and go back and and do it all again and would you press that button and what would you do differently second time round? Well, I think I would have learned how to do a flick flack. That was definitely one of the things I would have done differently. Uh, <laughs> I would have definitely learned how to do that. And what would I, would I have actually, if you asked me if I would do it all again, I'd probably say no. Mm-hmm. Obviously weighing up, you know, if I'd have just stopped that one series earlier, if I'd have had the strength that Di had had at that time to say, look, something bad could happen. Who knows? knows what I would have then gone on to do with with the Olympics but that's me thinking you're asking me a question that I probably never asked myself because I don't really want to answer it because they're all a lot of what ifs and you know what I could have then gone on to um, to pole vaulting and broken a pole and then killed myself so you never know what happens in life I I think I just have to remain really positive and grateful for the experience that I had that you know I have three amazing children and I went on to have a a fantastic life and and, um, you know out of that came some, some great experiences and some great friendships so I think I think I have to sit on the fence maybe I would have done it but maybe I'll just stop stop that one series earlier I think you'd be very surprised Kate the amount of people that say no because for exactly the same reasons that you said you end up with shoulda woulda couldas and you go down a different avenue and something else happens or you do this and so you know 
know, so yeah, I think you'd be very surprised about that. Your name comes up quite high up on most of the emails that we get from Glad fans saying they would love to hear more from you. So there'll be a lot of fans listening out there that will be absolutely delighted that we've managed to get you on the Glad pod. You know, I've put this off and this has been a very hard thing for me to talk about and it's not something I've ever spoken about. So this is, it's a big thing for me, but you know, you face your demons and you, and and I think um, I want to thank all of the fans really that have been so supportive and kind to me over the years because I just did disappear and, and I never really got to speak about my accident because it was, you know, very emotional at the time. It's good to talk to you today, actually. I think it's actually quite cathartic. Well, there we have it. Zodiac on the Glad Pod, which I'm absolutely delighted about, Paul. I'm, I'm so glad that we managed to get her are on but it was tough for her it's so good to finally get her story and how privileged i feel that she's decided to speak after all of this time like she said and she's not spoken about it really before that she's felt as if it's the right time now and she's spoken to us on the glad pod having one of her best friends diane jet there along with us has hopefully kind of helped her on that and to kind of speak about some really terrible experiences like you can't underestimate kind of what she's been through not only with the accident but obviously through the recovery Recovery, through how it kind of changed the course of her life as an athlete. So I, I'm just so humble and privileged that she's been open enough to kind of come to us and speak today. You're absolutely right, Paul. Do you know what? I can't say more than what you've just said. You've lined it up beautifully. I think the word privilege comes to mind with a woman who I not only call a gladiator sister, but one of my closest and most loved friends. Uh, I feel very fortunate and how lovely to share this with everybody. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed the episode. It's been amazing. Yeah, it's been really nice. And I definitely thought it was interesting as well, Paul, with the event stats, A, how just unbelievably chuffed she was with them. And actually, when you when you look at it in black and white, that speaks so much about how much of an awesome gladiator she really was. I know, especially, like you say, in that Series 4, there was such a dramatic kind of shift in, like you like say, an 80% plus win rate in that series um i also again was like very humbled that she didn't expect that she wasn't sat there expecting to have like the best out of all of the female gladiators or the, the kind of the win rates that she had so that was really nice and i hope she just that sinks into her to let her know how much of an awesome gladiator she was and how much the fans loved her as well i couldn't agree more particularly as well when um the the figure for that was being so close behind hunter i mean hunter was always going to be the top wasn't it He's, <laughs> i'm sure if we told hunter hunter it was 82% or whatever I think you'd be disappointed it wasn't like in the 90% but definitely guys when you're listening to this now if you have any messages or anything that you'd like to send Kate please do send in your emails to gladpod at gladiatorstv.com or send us a message on Instagram Facebook or Twitter and we'll make sure that we pass them on to her because I'm sure it will mean the absolute world to us so that's it for us this week we'll see you again soon good competition good spirit great sportsmanship as both contenders show mutual respect. Join us again next week for the ultimate challenge, the might of... 